Chapter Twenty One of Marion: The Story of an Artist's Model, by Winifred Eaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Chapter Twenty One. It was snowing hard. The snow was coming down in great big flakes. I had built a big fire in my grate, and had turned off all the gas lights. The flames from the grate threw their glare upon the walls. I was waiting for Reggie, and I was wondering where I was going to get some money to pay for clothes I badly needed now. But out of the little I had been earning, I had been obliged to send most of it home. It seemed to me as if every time Ada came to see me, it was a sort of collector. Help was needed at home, and Ada was going to see that we all did our share. I had had my studio now some time, and I had made very little money. Reggie had paid the rent each month, but I had never taken any other help from Reggie. He seemed to have so much money to spend, and yet he was always saying he was too poor to marry, though he had passed his examinations, and was a full partner in the big law firm. He said he wanted to build up a good practice before we married. I heard his footsteps in the hall and the door opened. Hello? Hello? Sitting all alone in the dark, darling? Reggie came happily into the studio. He was in evening dress, with his rich fur-lined coat thrown open. He sat down on the arm of my chair. I'm awfully disappointed, darling, he said. I had been looking forward to spending the evening here by the fire with you, but I'm obliged to go with my partners and a party of friends to a dinner they are giving and I expect to meet that member of Parliament I told you about. If I can break away early, I'll come back here and say good-night to the sweetest girl in the world. So don't go home tonight, as we can have a few moments together anyway. I was left once more alone. I sat there staring into the fire. Why did Reggie never take me to these dinners? There were always women there. Why was I not introduced to his friends? Why did he leave me more and more alone like this? He was jealous of every man who spoke to me, and yet he left me alone and went to dinners and parties where he did not think I was good enough to go. Someone was rapping on the door, and I called, Come! It was Lou Frazier. Why, Marion Asco, what are you sitting alone in the dark for? Where is the fair one of the golden locks? Lou was shaking the snow from her clothes, but she stopped suddenly when she saw my face. What are you crying about? I'm not crying, I'm just yawning. Lou put her hands on my shoulders. What's his nibs been saying to you now? she asked. I shook my head. Somehow I didn't feel like confiding even in Lou this night. Look here, Marion, she said. I met an old admirer of yours as I came here tonight and he asked me to try to get you to go with him and a friend to a little supper. He said you knew his friend, that he'd bought some pictures from you. His name's Davidson. Folks do say that his father was the Prince of Wales, and that he got fresh with one of the Davidson girls that time, when he was in Canada, and their father entertained him, and they passed this Davidson off as a younger son of the family. I told Colonel Stevens I'd do what I could, now, I saw that Bertie getting into a sleigh all rigged up in evening clothes and with that Mrs. Marbridge and her sister. 
folks are saying he's paying attention to the latter lady i said to myself when i saw him what's sass for the goose is sass for the gander marion you're a fool to sit moping here while he is enjoying himself with other women i jumped to my feet i'll go with you lou anywhere i'm crazy to go with you let's hurry up all right get dressed while i phone the colonel he said he'd be waiting at the st james club for an answer for the next half hour i have a very dim remembrance of that evening we were in some restaurant and the drink was cold and yet it burned my throat like fire i had never tasted any liquor before except the light wine that the count sometimes sparingly gave me i heard someone saying i think it was mr davidson she's a hell of a girl to take out for a good time i said i felt ill and lou took me out to get the air she said she would be back soon but once out there i conceived a passionate desire to return to my room and i ran away in the street from lou as i opened my door a feeling of calamity seemed to come over me it must have been nearly twelve o'clock and i'd never been out so late before not even with reggie as i came in reggie who had been sitting by the table stood up he stared at me for a long time without saying a word then you've been out with men he said yes i returned defiantly i have and you've been drinking yes i said so have you he flung me from him and then all of a sudden he threw himself down in the chair by the table and putting his head upon his arms he shook with sobs all of my anger melted away and i knelt down beside him and entreated him to forgive me i told him just where i had been and with whom and i said that it was all because i was tired tired of waiting so long for him i said reggie no man has a right to bind a girl to a long engagement like this either marry me or set me free i am wasting my life for you he said if we were to be married now his whole future would be ruined that he expected to be nominated to a high political position and to marry at this stage of his career would be sheer madness i promised to wait for reggie one more year but i was very unhappy and all the rest of that winter i could not refrain from constantly referring to our expected marriage though i knew it irritated him for me to refer to it end of chapter twenty one recording by james k white chula vista